standing I just want to tell you I'm enjoying coming here every Thanksgiving holiday for the last I don't know 10, 12 15 years whatever it is and I have seen this church develop I've seen the things that God wanted to do and, and the input and, the, and the, the atmosphere that he wanted for the worship and for evangelism and for intercession and prayer for being a voice and not an echo a voice in the community and the standard not compromising not trying to bring God down to our level, reducing God in order to win friends and influence people. But let God be God and let his word be true. And you have a pastor that tells it like it is. I've, I've heard some of his little radio talks. I've heard him preach, of course, long before you did. And of course, he was God's choice, but he was also my choice. I had 10 Ten interns all wanted to be the one that would be in the place <laughs> that he is now at. But I'll tell you, when God has a choice, he knows the end from the beginning. Is that right? You're going to hear about that. And I'm honored to be in this church. I grow with the presence of the Lord. I never, I never get used to it. It's never common to me. I love church. I love church. I go on vacation. I go to church. I don't fish. I don't swim. I don't play racquetball. Nothing wrong with that. I just love church. And I love to preach. And I get paid for it. Woo! I love to see people changed. It's strange how prophecy works. Just a few weeks ago, one of the speakers at our conference, been speaking for 20 years. He'd been in this church. Not just, yeah, he's been in this building. His name is Jim LaFoon. And he gets ready to speak, and he said, I got a word for Apostle C. What did I do now? <laughs> and then he begins to prophesy things that God had showed him that nobody knew. The last time he did that, he said, I'm going to scratch out those cataracts. I now have 20-20 vision. I can read the smallest print. I'm telling you the honest God's truth. I would never lie on a Sunday. <laughs> Prophecy is powerful. And I want to tell you what God said in the first service. And what he said at the second service, that was Saturday the 1st, and then the early service. And I want to tell you right now, 
you ain't seen nothing yet like you're going to see. You are going to see the power of God manifested in this place. Prayer is going to be an enjoyable situation. Prayer is going to be the thing that is going to bring people to God who are hardened, who have demon possession, are on narcotics, are alcoholic, are bound with with all kinds of of, 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 of terrible habits. And they're going to come here, find that love, find that presence, find that 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 I'm at home here. People want me here. People make me feel good here. And that it is because of the presence and power of God. So never limit worship. Now, before you're seated, let me give you two things that God said to tell you. And then I'll give you 20 more as I preach. Number one, the biggest sin. is what you don't even think. Unthankfulness is the biggest sin you can commit because it is the sin that leads to the downward uh, projection and processing until you'll be rotten in your culture, rotten in your sex life, rotten in everything you do, the downward trend. Unthankful. Can I tell you that America's been unthankful of all the blessings and all the good things that God has done? haven't shown the appreciation. And the second thing is humility. God loves a broken and contrite spirit. Humble. Humble yourself in the sight of the living God and he will raise you up. Come on. He will bring you. Father God, I just ask that you will speak to us. Speak and don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. Let me say everything to this people who are hungry, and I compliment them. This pastor and his wife, not because they're related to me, but because they shine. They are radiant, and they're open and honest. And I just pray that you bless them. Where the Lord comes to you, John, the devil has tried to weaken your body and tried to put you out of commission, but you you are <laughs> going to experience divine health and divine healing. I'm going to I'm going to even give you the gifts of healing. As the Holy Spirit will prompt you, you will lay hands upon those and you will name the disease and you will pray. I'm going to make you strong. Your better days are not retirement days. Your better days are not when you think you're going to back up. Your best days are ahead. You're going to be surrounded by men and women that are going to hold you, that are going to pray for you, that are going to impart to you. You're going to build the team that will be the envy of all the churches in this town. And not because you're trying to be smart and better, but because you want to honor me and you want to see me become the center of the joy of the Christian people. And also for every unsaved and every backslider and for every lost sheep, you are going to get people trained, discipled to go after them 
because you can't be in every place and you can't be all things to all people, but I'm going to do an evangelism surge. It's going to be like a, a, a tsunami surge of evangelism and people are going to be so happy to see new births see people transform, see drug addicts change, see demon-possessed people delivered, see marriages become restored. There will even be remarriages. People that were divorced will now repent and come back. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you for John and Linnell, Pastor John and Pastor Linnell. I thank you for the courage. I thank you for the integrity. I thank you, Lord, that they're transparent in their ministry. Bless them and bless the leaders, the elders. And there's going to be not 10 elders. There's going to be 50 elders. There are going to be 50. There's going to be a number of pastors in full-time ministry. There are going to be missionaries galore that are going to be trained and discipled from this church. The whole world needs my gospel, says the Lord, and I'm going to raise right here in this church some of the world changers that will go like the apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors in the Bible and the book of Acts will be alive and well in this church. Come on, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I say to my, my daughter, Linnell, all the time, why do you go so much? Why do you go so much? And she looks at me, and she doesn't smile. She said, you did it. You left us children. <laughs> I said, yeah, but your grandma was there and your grandpa. But to think that she's going four or five times a year, my daughter, in dangerous places <laughs> and preaching. I heard her preach. And she, she, she's getting better than me. I rebuked that. <laughs> and John, I'm so proud of him and uh, the integrity that he has and the ability to communicate. Now, what I'm going to tell you is so unbelievable. It is so beyond anything that you would believe. <laughs> but you know what? I think I got some believers here. I'm going to say some things that I can tell you the honest truth. I had a hard time believing. But what I want you to do, if you're a doubter, I, 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 I want you to doubt your doubts. Believe your beliefs and believe what God's word says. So we're going to put some verses on the screen, and I'm going to preach. Uh, what, what does it say in Ephesians 3.20? What does that scripture say? Is my, my, my lady back there, oh, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that we ask or imagine, think. Now, I'm a thinker. I'm, a, I'm not a stinking thinker. But I think that I can do anything that God says I can do. And I can be anything that God says I can be. And that came to me when I was a little boy. 
prophesied over me. Prophesied. To a a four-year-old kid, you know, four-year-olds suck their thumbs still. That I would be a preacher and that I would go all over the world. And I died with double pneumonia. And the prophet prophesied to my dad and said, I see him in a coffin. I see him, but I see two white hands come out of the clouds. Take him out of the coffin and take a hammer and break up the coffin. Emmanuel. They ran to the bed where I had just said to them, I I see my... And it was as if I was in the ceiling. And they came and spoke, oh God, the prophet prophesied, a woman prophet, our associate pastor. And suddenly my spine did it curve. Double pneumonia, both lungs, pus running out of my mouth. God healed me. The first word I said was, I'm hungry. Do we have a meatball? True story. Mommy had some cold ones and warmed them up. And I took a bite. And the pus came out. I took another bite and the pus came out. My lungs were clear. My spine snapped straight. And who should come? The Board of Health forced the doctor to come. They were going to arrest my dad because he wouldn't, he wouldn't let them. I believe in doctors and I believe in hospitals. But he was a, a Pentecostal that didn't want a chance. They said they're going to cut my lungs and pierce. They didn't have penicillin then, and they would suck out the pus. And if not, I would die. And dad said, the prophet prophesied. That he will live, and I'm alive. The doctor did come, and he said, "Where is Emmanuel?" Dad was busy in the music store. My mother said he's out in the backyard. <gasps> he's out in the back, and he thought that maybe I was in the garbage can that was in the backyard because the last time he saw me, I was near death, and he went out. My mother called. And he checked me, and he pounded my lungs, and he listened, and he pounded. He went everywhere, and he said, I don't know what you did to this boy. And then a big smile, he said, whatever you've done, keep it up. He's a, come on, everybody. So when you live in that kind of an environment, you've got to expect the unbelievable things and let me just give you, and let me give you another scripture. This is the telephone number of Jesus. If everybody will get your pen out and write it down, it is Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not. How many would like some great and mighty things? I'm so tired of the same old, same old. I'm so tired, you know, of just just going through forms. I'm so tired of that. I want to see the supernatural power of God. I want to see what the disciples saw. I want to see what Moses saw, what Abraham saw. I want to see what God said in the last days. He's 
Spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. I see young people. I haven't got time to prophesy, but I see something tremendously going to happen in your life. What's your name? What? The world changer. <laughs> oh, listen, but Andrew, and I see something wonderful. This, this, this front row. You're going to be on the front row in the in the in the youth ministries, in prayer and in intercession and in worship and in rejoicing. And yeah, you'll jump before the Lord and you'll shout before the Lord. But God's going to use you. Andrew's going to bring in some Peters. Hallelujah. Come on. Now, here is the scripture that I said to Pastor John. I said, I've got a scripture you won't believe is in the Bible. I just said that because I didn't believe it. But let me give it to you. The 62nd chapter of Isaiah. You got to get this because so many of you, have problems, so many of you have difficulties, so many of you have sicknesses and diseases, so many of you need loved ones saved, you need, you need your children, you need your grandchildren, some of you have spouses that are not serving God, some of you need a job, you need money, you need rent, you need house payments, some of you need to get rid of insomnia and depression and, and, uh, and, and worry and, and, and anxiety. Well, you, you got to believe this. I have set watchmen and women on your walls, O C O T R, O Jerusalem, O church on the rock. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. Look at the next verse. This is your verse. God is telling you, you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep Silent. Read on. Give God, give him no rest till he establishes, till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. What God is saying, when you think how impolite that would be for me to say, give God no rest, bother God. Pester God? <laughs> I've been doing it since I've been this high. God, you said it. Now I want to see it. And I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on believing. And if this bothers you, now I found the scripture that says I can. <laughs> I can ask. And keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking. Cry and keep on crying. Call and keep on calling. And God says, I like it. Here's a man, here's a woman that ain't going to stop until I do it. I have practiced this. I'm a spoiled brat. I have practiced. You said it, God, and I'm claiming it, and I'm going to pursue it. 
and I'm going to testify to it. Not after it's done. <laughs> I'm going to testify to it. So I met the last night of the conference in Hawaii. We have a, a conference every year that attracts thousands of people. We prophesy over 15 to 1,800 people. Personal prophecy. They all get a cassette with the prophecy. We've seen God do so many, many. It's the largest thing that ever happened in Maui, Hawaii, a church of thousands. And uh, I've worked and worked and worked and preached and prophesied until I'm ready to drop. And the pastor, miracles. He said, Brother Kenneth Tracy, we haven't met the budget. He flies over 100 pastors that he has all over the world to the conference so they can get stirred up and refreshed and rekindled, presbytery prophecy, call out rooms, chow, chow, get the fire, get the power it's burning in them. And he, the part of the budget, it's only $250,000. For Labor Day, we start on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But we have about three services a day. We have about 10 or 12 prophets. And he says, we don't have the budget. And I wanted to say, I am tired. I'm weary. I'm not taking the offering. Let Jim Lathoon, let Jim Criley, let, let, let that loud woman preacher. Let her take the offering. No, he bothered me. So I sat down. I was so tired. I said, Pastor says we need $22,000. I'm so tired. I'll never preach another sermon in my life if God don't honor and bring that money. I knew I was going to preach because I knew I'm a spoiled brat. Did God said, do something that's too hard. <laughs> do something that you just couldn't do. So the people march around and lay the money in that big Kentucky Fried Chicken box. And they had to have another box. <laughs> And I'm sitting there saying, oh, I'm so glad it's, it's over today. Today is Monday, Labor Day, and now I'll get to rest. And he orders the elders, count the offering. And they go in the back room and come back in about 15, 20 minutes. And he puts his arm around me. He said, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And I thought he's going to, you know, spring a lie on me. He said, I am so sorry. You're going to have to preach again. We went way over our budget. And that's what you got to believe for, Pastor John. You're going to go way over your budget. You're going to get on that property. It's going to be beautiful. And God is going to pay that off so quick. Do you realize that just a couple weeks ago, somebody gave us $4 million? Somebody shout hallelujah. And we're now out of debt. Come on, we're now out of debt. Come on, we're now out of debt in our church, which releases $25,000 more a month for missions and church planting. I'm telling you, we've got to start believing. And now I'll get into my message. 
When I was a young preacher, after preaching on street corners and preaching in parks, the man on the street corner kept coming back every day. And he said, let me take you out and buy a hamburger. And he was a Scotch-Irishman. It was an old man. Well, he was, I'm not going to say old man. He was older than I was. I was 16. So, but he was like an old man. He said, you should have a car. Well, I, I don't drive yet. I ran two buses with a, you get a little, a little, what they call transfer, so you can go on to get to that street corner. And he said, I'm going to ask your dad if I can take you and buy you a car. What? Took me to the Broadway, said, pick out. There was a station wagon, brand new station wagon. And he said, you like that? And I said, yeah. He rolled out $100 bills. 16-year-old, spoiled guy that bothers God. And he gave me the keys to the car. I was too young. I had to get a special driver's license. <laughs> but I got the driver's license. I was driving that car. He put big speakers this big on top of it so I could just drive down on Market Street in San Francisco where the thousands of people had like a machine gun tell them Jesus loves them. And, and he died on the cross to say, I love it. Don't say, you don't have gifts. You don't have talents. Be crazy for God. And the guy may give you a station wagon. Hallelujah. I never begged. I never hinted. This man became a supporter of our ministry until the day he died. I suddenly had an urge to go to Africa. Overseas. Where are you going to get that kind of money? I went to a little church in Rogers, Arkansas. Pentecost Church of God. Anybody remember that church? Pentecost Church of God. It was here in this, this area somewhere. And they, took a, they heard I was going to Africa, took an offering. Then I went to an Assembly of God church. They took an offering. I didn't ask them to. And I had enough money to go to Africa. Now I had to get a visa to go to South Africa. And I had to have police clearance. And I went because I delivered telegrams to all the downtown, the mayor, and, and, the, and, and, and even to the police chief. And so I went to the police chief. And Mr. Kelly and I said, uh, I, I want to go to South Africa, and I need to get a visa, and they want a police clearance. So that's easy. I've seen you. And he looked, and I had a record. He said, a little picture of a 10-year-old boy, Emmanuel Candace Tracy, was an arsonist. I threw in an empty lot, wanted to see a lot burn, and threw some fire into it, and the lot was on fire. No house next to it. But I got arrested, got my picture taken, fingerprinted, and stayed in a few hours, and they let me go. Now I'm a criminal. And he said... I, I have to put that. I said, 
don't, don't put that there. Just put that I haven't had any <laughs> felons or <laughs> any, any crimes for so many years. They'll let me in Africa. He did and then go to Africa, and I land at the airport, and I don't even know one person in Africa. So the Lord said, why don't you do your thing? Get the telephone book out. I got the yellow pages out, and I went down looking for a church. It sounded like this church. It's hard to find. And I found one that says AFM, Apostolic Faith Mission. Remember the great healing man that, that had 250,000 miracles in Spokane, Washington, John G. Lake? He started that movement during the bubonic plague when millions were stricken all over Africa and nobody would bury the bodies. And John G. Lake said, I'll bury them. And they said, doctor, doctor, you can't do that. He said, I don't take diseases. I give them. And picked the bodies up and the blue pus running all over him. And he would bury the bodies and wash his hands and sanctify in the name of Jesus. I have one of his pastors on the phone. What do you want, young man? I said, I'm here. God told me to come to Africa, heal the sick, and cast out devils. And I don't know anybody. He said, what denomination are you? I said, I'm independent. Oh, he said, don't you say that. The word independent in Africa is terrible. I said, I'm not independent. He said, I better come and get you. And he came over and got. He said, you can stay in the bedroom at our house, and you will preach tomorrow. I preached that next day. He called up the head of all the churches all over Africa. His, he, he was an earned doctorate in theology in the head. Dr. Schumann, he heard me preach. And he said, you know what? Listen, I lie not before God what I'm going to share with you tonight. I bet my life on when I tell you what God's going to do in your life. He said, Oral Roberts has started a 100,000 soul crusade. He, he got a $100,000 love offering, and Africa would not let him take it out. He had to leave it here. And we're at a loss who we could get as an evangelist uh, to preach. We're going to put up a big tent, and we want you to preach and pray for the sick. And we will support the meeting out of the 100,000. I didn't expect that big of a miracle. In my, I was still in my teens. I was 19. Anyways, long and short of it. Thousands got saved. Miracles took place. Are you listening? Way in the back seat, there was a lady with a baby. The baby was crying. And in the front was a lady chained like an animal. Chained like an animal. And she started making all kinds of noise and hissing and, and acting like a snake. And I said to the ushers, unchain her. Oh, no. She will kill somebody. She will kill somebody. I said, I can't preach this. I'm here because before I came, 
on this trip. I opened my Bible, and I said, God, now please don't do this. I get away with it because I'm audacious. And it said, Behold, I give unto you power over all the power of devil, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. You shall tread upon scorpions. I said, I don't think that's a prophecy. So I said, where's my promise box? I picked up promise out of it. It was Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power. Now, here, I'm chicken now because I said, the devil kept saying, that's a coincidence. A spiritual person don't pick out a promise. I went over to my brother Danny's house, and I said, do you have a Bible? He had this big Bible on the coffee table, dusty. And I let it open. Eyes closed. Put my... It was Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power. After seven times that happening, now I'm at the front of the tent where a lady is ready to bite me or kill me if she's let go. I command it. The interpreter, he was talking. I said, do it. He'll, we can't be a response. Do it. And I went down there and I said, Lord, upon the authority of thy word, it's written. Behold, I give you power over the power of the devil. This will be nothing for you. Absolutely nothing. Command this evil spirit. She took one lurch at me to grab me and then fell down as dead. And then suddenly I took her by the hand and I said, Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. She opened up her eyes, tears coming down, mild and meek. She received Jesus Christ from the back of the tent. That baby that was crying, somebody brought that baby and said to me, I said, What are you doing? I said, she went insane and became demon-possessed at the birth of her child, and she can't hold this child. But there, they let her hold it. She bared her breasts and fed the child. Come on, somebody shout. You can't make these stories up. God can do anything. He's all-powerful and mighty. Just because it doesn't sound like you know that it's really up to date what God does. Well, he does funny things. I mean, he does funny things. He does things. A, a, guy, a guy in a boat that's sinking in a storm, he says, Lord, bid me come. And Jesus says, come. And that crazy guy that Andrew brought, that crazy guy that Andrew brought, he thinks he can walk on water. And he gets out of the boat, and he's walking to Jesus. But the problem was, he saw the waves and the wind and the boat kind of getting lower and lower to sinking. And he started to drown. But I got to hand it to Peter because he said, bid me come. One word, come. And he stood upon that word. And the first human being that ever walked on water Except Jesus. Moses had to have the Red Sea open. Peter didn't. You can mock him. 
You can say, well, he did backslide. You can say he did, he, he was a coward. Yeah, but Jesus chose him. God chose him. God can take a coward. God can take a failure. God can take a man. God can take a woman. God can take a little boy, little girl. We limit God. We put God in a box. God is unlimited. Almighty. Could you just raise your hands to an almighty God and say, God, you can do all things. All things are possible. Nothing's impossible. Put those scriptures on there. For with God, nothing will be impossible. That's what was given. That was what was given to a woman that was a teenager, was told that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God. Wow. That's a lot for a teenager. And so what she said was, be it unto me according to thy According to what? The word. Are you ready for this? Then I'm going to prophesy. Are you ready for this? Let me, let me, let me, let me read something to you. Let me read something to you. If you have the biggest problem tonight, I'm going to tell you God's going to solve it. God's going to solve it. Because in Philippians 1, 6, it said, He who hath begun a good work in you will complete it, perform it, finish it. God is a finisher. Shout this. God is a finisher. God is a fi Look at somebody and say, God's going to finish you. No, it doesn't mean kill you. It means finish you. If he's in the killing business, he's going to kill your pride. He's going to kill your deceit, your pretense, your fear, your anxiety. He will kill it. He will destroy it. We'll tread upon scorpions and serpents over all the power of the devil, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. You say, but, but I am hurting. God will turn that hurt around. Because all things, not some things, all things, not most things, all things, not just spiritually, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You are called according to his purpose. Read the 139th Psalm. It says that God knows you. He knew you in the womb. He put you together in the womb. Listen, he knows everything about you. He's written a book about you. He, not the Bible. He's, he's written your biography. He knows every thought you ever thought, every word you ever said. He's written in his book everything. You can't tell God anything that he don't know. He knows you, and he called you, and he loves you. And he wants you, and he wants to bless you, and he wants you. So now I'm in Arkansas. Now I'm preaching in every creek and holler. And finally, I'm starting to preach in churches. I spent a month in Springdale, Arkansas, preaching. Pea Ridge, 50 people, but we had 200. I don't know how you can have a town of 50 with 200 people. God was opening blind eyes, deaf ears. Cripples were walking. I would say, that man on the back seat, you two preachers back there, you came here because you don't believe what you 
are hearing preach. Is that true? Yes, we're Baptist pastors. We didn't believe it. But now that you, you know that, we believe. <laughs> we believe. You know, the gifts of God are to make people understand that he knows and he cares and he wants to stop the doubts and the fears. And if you have to doubt, doubt your doubts. And that's where I'm living right now. It's the worst time in America. It's never been worse. It's never been more immoral. It's never been the, the, the rotten culture, as rotten as it is. It's never been this bad. I probably outlived most of you, uh, you know, because I'm thinking maybe I'll be around here another 10 or 15 years. I don't want to die. I, I, I'm probably not needed in heaven. I know that there's a lot of people still need to be saved, and I've got the guts, come on now, to say, okay, God. God, bring it on. And the devil said, but your wife's not. Well, well, if the Bible's true, he's already got that in his book. Surely, Kenneth Tracy healed. And back prophesying and back being by my side. She sits on the front seat in every meeting and intercedes all during my sermon, and that's why God anoints me. Because prayer changes things. God said early this morning, give them Jonah. I said, they're not going to believe this. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and preach, and he went to Tarsus the wrong way, the opposite. The sinners on that boat were praying to their gods, and they said to them, what are you doing sleeping? We're all drowning. What are you doing? Backslidden preacher. I think he was Pentecostal. Because he prophesied. And they said, pray to your God. He said, I'm the cause of this storm. I'm the one that caused this, throw me overboard, and he threw them, him overboard. He landed in the water. God prepared a big fish, swallowed him. Seaweed wrapped around him, smelly stuff in that stomach. I, I got a sermon, the preacher that made a fish sick. The fish was praying too, and he vomited out Jonah. God said, go preach. He preached. 200,000 people got saved. Come on, everyone. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you've got some big problem, some big need, some impossible situation, will you believe that God will do that for you? Do you believe God will do it for you? Okay. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. Not one person looking. How many will say, I can't say for sure that I'm a Christian. I can't say for sure that I know the Lord. I would like to know for sure. I'd like to have his presence. I'd like to be able to hear him speak to me. I've got some problems. Just pray for me. Just slip your hand up all over the building. God bless you. God bless you. Put it up high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 
Anyone else? Say, pray for me. All right. Everybody now, just put up your hands. Everybody in the building, we're going to say a prayer. Say this, Lord Jesus, I call you Lord because you're my Lord. I love you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Say it out loud. I trust you, Lord. Come in now. Take over my life. I will follow you. Cleanse me. Take away fear and doubt and unbelief. Take it out of me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. Hallelujah. Are you ready for this? In the fellowship, dinners after these churches in Arkansas, they had big meals. Everybody brought food. And this young preacher got to eat. And then they'd clean up the mess, and then they'd stop. And I'd say, here's my fork. It's dirty. Take it. They said, keep your fork. And I said, why? They said, the best is yet to come. And I prophesy to you in the worst time to make this kind of a prophecy, the best is yet to come. The best is yet for every single one of you. Pastor, take it from there. Take it from there. The best is yet to come. Always the best follows the worst. With God, he never stops on another. Give him a real shout and a hallelujah. Praise God. Don't, don't leave just yet. I'm going to give you a fork. Hang on just a minute. He did pretty good. 87? Yeah. Give I him a big hand. <laughs> you know, uh, we live in a skeptical world, and I have a good degree of skepticism in me, and, and you might be out there thinking, oh, those stories were really not true. I wasn't around for a lot of those stories, but I can tell you one that I've read about. My mother-in-law, when he was preaching in a meeting in Missouri, she was in a wheelchair. She had polio. Back then, you couldn't do much with polio. You were just, you, your life was pretty much over. In a little Missouri town, what was the name of the town? West Place, Missouri. West Place, Missouri. Their little city paper that came out recorded the miracle of her being healed from polio. She came out of her chair, dropped her crutches, and they got married. And uh, she's walking around to this day. Now that one, I've read about. You know, there's lots of different kinds of sermons. You look at the two of us, and we're different in a lot of ways. I mean, the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk to you looking? about. Huh? You're the, better looking. I, mean, I am better looking. Thank you. <laughs> But the next two weeks, you know, we'll talk about Christmas. We'll take a chapter of the Christmas story and we'll go over it together. I'll teach you truth. I'll teach you doctrine. I'll teach yeah. you about the Old Testament, about prophecies that give us confidence in the fulfillment. And that's my gift. But his gift today, here's what he tried to do today. He tried to give you hope. He tried to give you faith that for a little four-year-old boy that was dying of pneumonia, that God had a plan for his life. And in the course of his life, faith, stepping out, doing things, believing God, trusting God for impossible things. And one day when his life is done, 
He'll look back and he has impacted people around the world for Jesus Christ. He has invested his life in reaching people for God. And one day there's a well done that's coming to him. And it's a well done coming to you because he wanted you to know today that God can cause the best to be yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best can be yet to come. He wanted to give you a little gift to remind you of this. Remember the little story he told? About the fork when he was in uh, uh, Arkansas, they had the potluck, and they ate potluck dinner and everything, and cleaning up the dishes, and the lady told him, he said, I want you to keep your fork, because the best is yet to come. Key lime pie, coconut cream pie, upside down cakes. Well, you know what that's like. You do the same thing. In a throwaway world, you lick off the spaghetti sauce, you lick off the mustard or whatever it is because you're ready to get a little sugar and chocolate going on it. He wanted to give you this as a faith reminder that it's possible that the best is yet to come in your life. That wherever you are in your health, in your finances, in what you do with your life, in your marriage, it's possible with the help of God that the best can come in your life. And that the lies the devil has told you, the lies the devil has whispered in your ear, are not true. But God is greater. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. I want our prayer team to come to the front. And they're going to get some of these forks. I'm going to ask you before you go, if you want one of these little faith reminders, they're just for you. They're just, they got a bunch of them. Just take it and put it somewhere. I've got little reminders all over my house. And I'll invite everyone to come and just take one of these. Give him another big hand. We sure appreciated you coming today. The Bible says that those that preach the gospel live from the gospel. And our church is certainly going to give him an honorarium, a love offering. Hang on just a minute on the forks. But if you want to give towards that, if you'd like to invest in the man of God, there'll be ushers at the back door. You can give something. Use the debit machine to say love offering, or I'll have my Bible right here on the front here, and uh, you can just put an offering on that. Listen, I love you this week, and I bless you. And May the peace of the Lord follow you. May God do you good all your days. I love you, and Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Come get you a fork before you go.